There's a train going through Clash Barriers there now. It's going through, that's near Holt Junction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you have four of them there. That's just coming out of the, off the Holt branch. When you come out of Holt Station, you have Claremont, Cosh, you have Sutton, then you have Kilbarrick Road. Okay. That's the whole suburban signalling there now. It's still on 12 colour television screens, starting on our side in Holt and Malahide. Rookways in the top screen to Connolly. The upper portion, the lower screen, then goes on from Connolly right down to Dunleary. The lower portion takes that from Dunleary and goes right down to Greystone. Now, the whole system is controlled by one signal man. There's only one signal man controlling the system. That's for how many stations? Well, he's, he's doing it what was worked by 15 signal cabins. One, one man man's doing that job. Do it now. We also have the train radio here. We can contact any driver in the system. We have the facility here in the keyboard. You'd call up the particular driver, you'd give him signal stop, station stop, you could tell him to hot box in his train. You could also go in and address the people on the train. We could even put him through to his own home. The driver, for example, wants to speak to emergency to his wife at home. We have the facility. He's answer. on the line. He if he brings us in here on his number, we can call out the public phone number and connect him up to that. Put him through to his own home, his wife at home. Or any outside number. We also have the television screens here for monitoring the level crossings. They're manned at the moment, but at the end of this month they will no longer be manned. That's Kilbarrick, is it? That's, that's Koshgates, it's up in Hope Branch. There's the barriers going down there. Oh yeah, in Bray. Bray. Just closed, yeah. This the barriers are down here now, and Marion Gates, there's Marion Gates. Marion Gates, so we'll see a train going through now. Well, there's a train now, we'll just see where he is. He's just left Sydney Parade. There's one in Tourist Town coming up, so they should stay there. So we should see two then going through. There's one coming down this way and one don't go away. There's there's that one now going through. There's another one now in Town Station waiting to come up. See, that's going south to Bray. That's going south to Bray, yes. There must have also a train coming out of Holt. I see Claremont Gates have lit up there now. Oh, yeah, so there'll be some movement in Holt. And what sort of. um, I mean, there were some problems at the start, weren't there? organising for staff, enough staff and so forth to man the service. Are all those problems being sorted well, out now? There was some trouble. It was getting staff trained. It's a new technology completely from what we're used to. The drivers were going to drive a different thing completely than what they were driving before. Signal men before were used to be in a signal cabin pulling levers and that. Well, they had to go to a training course of how the computer works the system. Well, all the signal men we have here were all signal men previously. They were all signal men on the ground? All signal on the ground. They're only getting used to the new technology. It's quite now, a transition for them operating this. It was a major one. Yeah. Bernard Bourne, you're driving the dart up and down this line now. Yes. Spray. Yeah. We're, we're going back into our Dublin. Yeah. Just, um, just chat about the general the operation of the the train itself. Right. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big development from the diesel days. It certainly is, and one of the things about it is that it's probably, you know, the biggest railway development in this country in uh, 30 years since dieselisation started. This is the first big development that has taken place in that period of time. You're slowing here now. Is that that yeah. signal is telling you to slow? That signal is actually that's telling me to slow now, but I'm not slowing myself. The actual system that's on the train, the automatic train protection system, is reading in the code from that signal, and it tells it that the speed of the train must not at this point in time exceed 50 kilometres per so hour. So we'll force the speed down? Now you can see that at the moment now we're just below 50 yeah. kilometres per hour. We're coming into the station now, and our speed will drop. Now, I'm actually dropping the speed of the train because control of the train, when it comes to the braking function for a general operation, rests with the driver and not the else. Now, we have just a few seconds here now. 
we're off. Now, the next thing about the actual automatic train protection equipment is that you can see now ahead, we have in actual fact a green signal. That's right. So, so 50 yards down, is it? Yeah, the green signal is reflected in the ATP equipment by telling me I can now travel in this section at 100 kilometers an hour, which is 62 miles an hour. And now, that instruction comes up there in front And of that you? instruction actually comes through the automatic train protection system. That's just that little screen just in front of you there. little screen here. And you can see, Alex, on the right-hand side where the command code is at the top saying 100. Mm -hmm. And the actual speed of the train as I travel along here is mounting up now. It's almost at 90. And by the time we get to the level crossing gates here at Merion, we will be doing the maximum speed of 62 miles an hour permitted through this system. Now, with that situation, Samaritan Gates? This Samaritan Gates now, and we're travelling now down towards Sydney Parade. So, what I do now is this, because of these signals along here, I must bring the train to a slower position myself now. I must stop it at the station, irrespective of what the code system says on the screen. From a walk point of view, the, the actual cabin board, as you can see, uh, is really excellent. There's virtually no noise. You can see that there are a lot of buttons, there are a lot of lights, mm -hmm. a lot of indications, and they are feeding information, if you like, into the cab all of the time. Yeah. But the idea then that, I mean, the idea that the transition from diesel to electric trains meant a simplification from the point of view of the driver is not actually true. No, it definitely is not. No way. In, in fact, uh, most of us, I think, are of the opinion that our responsibilities are, in actual fact, far greater. Well, 1984 has brought a big advance in railway transport in the Dublin area. 150 years ago, in 1834, Dublin's first commuter line went into service from Dublin to Dunleary, then Kingstown. Kevin Murray is chairman of the Irish Railway Record Society and the author of a book on that line, Ireland's First Railway. It was built principally to connect the port of Dublin, which was badly silted up, connected with the open sea, at Kingstown as it was then, now of course to Leary. What about the men working on the railways in those years, in the middle of the 19th century? And well, for a long time... we know about their conditions and their... Well, for a long time, of course, they were... Except that they had a regular job. I can't really say that their work was any better, yeah, more comfortable than most working men of the time. Uh, a man to be taken on the railway then meant he had to have some recommendations before he'd be accepted. Well, that was reasonable enough. The men who worked on the track did most of their work at night. And working in the dark on a rainy, windy night on the track must have been a penance. But they did it. Their wages were low. But all wages were low then. The ordinary men, like the labouring men, the men who did the track work, not the foremen, the ordinary gangers. They worked about 12 hours a day and they received 10 shillings, which is 50p a week. Well, steam, of course, was the main power in the early days. The steam engine on rails had been perfected as far as it could be when railways began. It was being perfected all the time. There was a limit beyond which it couldn't be perfected, but that took a long time to reach. But the steam locomotive was a marvellous machine. It was very, very well suited to its purpose. 
But uh, even the steam best steam locomotives, remember, were a rough, dirty, hard-working thing to be on. You finished your day covered with oil and with a lot of coal dust as well. These were facts. The men didn't mind. They didn't mind all this. They didn't complain more than a little about them. After all, that was the life they had chosen. And there never was a more devoted set of men at any job than the, the railway drivers. No, no young man would attempt to go into a job like that if he listened to the tales of the hardships from the older men. I was 20 years, I was 20 years on the shore at this, at this at that time, and, uh... 28 years on the shovel? Oh, it's 20 years, Because a lot of people now, they can't believe the fellas did work like that. I suppose you shovel on the canal street. I suppose you shovel about, your days work, shovel about shoots on a coal or ton three quarters anyway. There's a bit of a notch in it, really. Right. You get the knife. It's very hard to use. You want to know where she's, where she, where she's born on it. Want to Watch the different parts uh, of it, is it? The firebox, yes. Yeah. When did you start on the railways? The 4th of February 1919. And? Uh, was and I find it uh, clean in the course. And, and where was uh, that? Was that in Dublin? In Waterford. Waterford. How long were you in Waterford then? I was in Waterford up to 1929. But going back generally over your years on the railways, I mean, is, was there was there a good atmosphere working there? Was it enjoyable? Ah, there were. Like, you see, I suppose it depends on the individual. A lot of people say the good old days, and the good old days on the railway. You hear that very often now, the good old days. Well, they were good, no doubt about it. Well, good, you know, because the majority of people joined, uh, an elder power anyway, they joined because they never had a job for your life, you know. Once you joined in the railway, you knew you were, and you had to remind yourself, you were there for your life. You know? And how did you find then, like, comparing, say, we say your last ten years when you were working mainly on diesels? When it was what hundred? You were working, weren't you? You would have been working mainly on the diesel trains. Then we say in your last few oh, years, yes. in the sixties. Lovely, a great job. It was a lot more relaxing, was it? Oh. oh, he was as happy as the day is long. But it's a different altogether. You can win now if you're any bit tidy. You can win with your a dress suit on you if you want to do it. And that was Dick Kylie, who spent his working life on the railways. An old colleague of Dick's, Tom Fleming, is now ninety-one and he's one of the oldest surviving drivers of the steam era. He now lives in the old railway community in Inchicore, with memories going right back to 1909 when he first started in the job. He certainly has seen many changes on the railway. Well, I did see a good many of them. Of all kinds of changes. There is... What's it like to work in the steam end, the steam? For sure there was... The steam, when the railways were in, there was nothing else there but steam. And everyone had to walk with it. There was fellas for every, for every purpose, doing this and doing that and doing that, and it went around and in their own steam animals. 
on sleepy rails uh, that the foggy weather or falling snow or falling frost or leaves of the tree on the rails because you wouldn't turn the wheel. They'd be slipping, slipping, slipping. And you had a pipe of sand going right down to the rail. And when she started to slip... So they would grab the rail properly? Grab the, get a grip on the rail, yeah. Going up banks and hills and everywhere else. So that was the first job you had in your first day in drain, 1900. Drain the sand, yeah. Drain. Drain sand. CIE's most senior driver now is Jim O'Toole, who started work in Bray 49 years ago. Jim had years of experience of both the steam and the diesel trains, and he's now working on the new DART system. When I joined him in his driver's cab, we talked about his days on the steam engines. You had to know what you were doing on the steam engine, going down this road with, a, with heavy goods trains. Because you could put an engine very easy going up between Wickley and Glen which I mean by boring an engine. You could let the water off the top of the box, the crown of the box, you know, the copper. And if that happened, the power box would be destroyed. And then you had to know how to stop on the bank if you got stuck for steam. And that you'd be able to get off it again. But I believe there's some stories when um, when there was a big shortage of coal here, that there was all kinds of trouble had to be gone to in order to get the oh, don't stuff to burn in the steam I, engines. I know I want to think about it <laughs> at all this time. Oh, that was, that, was, that was rough going that time. This was going now in the war years. Yeah. I mean, the, the coal was very inferior at that time. And you might be lucky to get from here to Dunleary, and you might have to clean now, as we used to say, we had to bail it, which means you had to get a big long old clinker shovel and a big dart as heavy as yourself and try and break the clinker. It used to get coated across the bars and the, the four bars, which meant that there was no air coming up to the four bars at all. When you got all that done, you had to try and get the floor going again. To try and get the steam up again because the temperature of the boiler now will have dropped. And maybe it could be there maybe for half an hour, maybe three quarters of an hour. And you had to do it again and break. And you might be lucky then coming back, you might get back to Dublin to be a man at the turn table in Amin Street. He would clean it and you would, you would get... You would give him a hand to clean out the floor as well. So, it was very hard during the war. And during the war I was transferred down to Cork for three or like maybe two years now. And there's no such thing as working six hours or 40 minutes a day or eight hours. When you left Cork, especially got the trolley, maybe, or Limpy or that, it could be away maybe for the whole week. I might take it, the best part is 16 hours or so, you'd be working a day. Then, when you get in maybe to say into Mala and these places, there was just two hours sleeping cars there. And there was one of them we used to call Belson. Now that'll give you an idea. And if you, and if you weren't lucky enough, and if you weren't lucky enough to get the other one, well then, you had no other option, I just take what the other one, Belson. <laughs> Why did they call it Belson? Huh? It was the state of it. Yeah, 
There's Lansdowne Road here now. This is Lansdowne now, yeah. I'm just checking up now to see me time. I don't want to leave before me time. You know the way a lot of people learn? They reckon there's a great magic about the old steam engines and the train drivers and all that. I mean, would you, oh, would well, you agree with that? Was driving it? trains at the present day and driving steam on steam trains. Two different rooks altogether. I mean, when you when you were driving the steam engine, you had to know every knock and bolt on that engine. Going along. It was a big end knocker, or a little end knocker, or an outside rod, or the spare bar bolts and things like that, or the pistons and something. You had to know all that. Tommy, you're working here now in charge in, in this station. You have a bird's eye view of the whole system. But going back now, we say you, you'd have memories going back to steam days. Oh, indeed. How, how yeah. would you compare now the situation now and the operation of the railway now with those days? What are the big differences, the big changes that you can see? Uh, well, in my estimation, um, the... Uh, there's a great improvement in the from the rail point of view from the uh, with the darts, diesel and against steam, but uh, there's not the same dedication in the job. Nothing like it. What are the big changes you see here? Well this particular station. When I knew the station first there was a station master. Houses just across the road there at the signal cabin. Uh, foreman and two by porters here. Now there's just uh, two foremen. You work opposite each other? As well. Working opposite each other. And at the moment there's a man in the box. Well, he's not classified as a signalman anymore. He's more or less crossing keeper. And I believe the board intend to do away with that, uh, the man in the box. There'll be no manual signal no operation manual, at all? No, not in the, uh, in the smaller stations along the line. Like for instance here or Sandy Mount or Meridian Crossing, it'll be uh, covered by television, uh, operated from Connolly Station. Uh, and which is it to Connolly? Connolly, 50 pence, please. Was there more enjoyment in the job? Ah, uh, much, more enjoyment. much more enjoyment. Much more enjoyment. Much more comradeship. Uh, we had to work together, or the work would never have been completed. And now it's. Uh, it's more like an ordinary job now. It is it? much, much, much more like an ordinary job. Mm -hmm. As I told you before, the dedication is not there anymore. When did you start in the job? What was the first day? Uh, I started in the job the 22nd of April 1946. It was an Easter Monday morning and uh, we started at 8 o'clock in the morning and uh, I remember it very, very well. We were all delighted to be up on the engines first and cleaning them and looking at the firemen and drivers uh, preparing the engines for their trips. And I remember it very, very well that evening, walking down... Um, Dominic Street from Broadstone and we were all black and dirty and greasy and there was four of us together three of us still in the job and we were delighted uh, to be working and we were so pleased with the dirt and the oil that we wouldn't even wash ourselves <laughs> uh, I was driving 
about two years after the Devils Diesels arrived in Ireland, I was spare driving between 55 and 57, and I think I was appointed in around that period. And uh, we were delighted, of course, to be driving. I should mention that during the steam area that we were transferred practically every year away on the beat seasons. Uh, I personally was transferred to Waterford, Clonmel, Wexford, and Lismore in my lifetime. Other men were transferred far more often. And what did the transfer entail? How long would you be away? Uh, you would be away approximately three months. And of course, uh, being married, uh, it was uh, a chance of earning extra money. And uh, you had a lot of overtime, night work, and uh, you earned extra money. So you were able to send home a few extra bob to the wife, and you still had a few bob for yourself to get the necessary uh, kick out of life. <laughs> Uh, that was a that that was a it was a great era in, in the job the steam era. I, I think we felt that there was far more uh, cooperation amongst fellas, and there was far more uh, friendship uh, amongst the lads. Must have been great characters in those years as well. There were some it? great characters. And stories to be told. Uh, yeah, and uh, you had uh, all different nicknames on fellas: the Cobbler Burden. The Fuhrer Flynn, who was uh, my foreman at the time, and uh, uh, the Senator, that was my own name actually. Uh, there was other, there was other, there was other names which I can't very well remember now, but uh, everyone had a nickname at, uh, at that time. And I think myself, uh, there was greater comrades. It was nothing to see fellas staying in the shed maybe two or three hours after they finished work playing cards. And uh, it was also nothing to see drivers remaining on duty after their time, maybe doing some little job to their own little engine. Just um, on the question of the job itself and the people you were working with, you were talking earlier on about the great atmosphere that existed when there was it was real teamwork on the trains. There were two or three people working together, and you weren't as isolated maybe as you are now. But does that affect? the sort of general working atmosphere in CIE. Is there the same well, to give you so, to the give Well, to give you some idea of the men years ago and the men today, the men today consider that their homes and their families are number one and that the job is number two. When I joined the job, the job was number one and the families and the homes, in, so, in many instances, was number two. No, Relacey, you've been married to this man for what? Thirty-six years. Thirty-six years, and was that was that would that be your experience? Of That's true. Uh, when the children were small, it, it, you know, I I used to bring them out. Tommy was working, and you always felt some of your friends that their husbands were off at weekends and that they could take their children over. I always seemed to be on my own and school meetings and different things like that. It was always me had to attend, you know. Uh, I I could re I can recall on one occasion, uh, I was the chairman of the local social committee, and on one occasion I was making a presentation to a man who was going out on retirement. And uh, during the course of the evening, I was sitting with him and his wife, and his wife reminded me that it was the first occasion that she had been with her husband at a social during their married life. He was then going out on retirement. Well, we weren't that bad, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> well, that just gives you a little idea of uh, 
the type of uh, work practices and the type of allegiances that men had in those days. Not all of them. Not all of them. A lot of them. Of course, it's a real, a real man's world on the railway as well, isn't it? Well, it is indeed. And even, even if you're out socially with them, they talk about the railway. Even still? The, the men will all get together in a little group. And I, even we've been on holidays with them. And the women will suddenly say, look, will you forget about the railways? We're on holidays. Forget about for a fortnight. Would you agree with Tommy like the early years, say the early 50s now were the very much... Oh, the, uh, yes, yes. And I mean, as far as uh, on the steam trains, the dirt and trying to get the colours of shirts clean and pillowcases and things like that. You know, I'd prefer... It'd be black. Uh, now, I mean, it's much cleaner. I mean, they could go to work now and they're good clothes and, and they wouldn't be dirty. But then it was dreadful. But uh, we got there, and we so you've seen the changes life. as well. Oh your, yes, your angle yes, on. indeed. And as I say, the kids. Uh, there was weeks. I remember my daughter saying to me one, one time, I haven't seen Daddy for about a week. Whereas it, he'd be in bed while they'd be going out to school in the morning, and he'd be gone to work when they'd come home, and they they mightn't see him from Monday to Friday, even though he was actually living in the house, you know. Just from the point of view of people working in the job, there obviously there are new people, new blokes coming into the job in the last five, ten years, don't have any conception of what it was, we say, when you started off. So therefore there must be a whole range of different attitudes and different angles on the job. As aware, and how do people get on? Do they work well together? Is there still the same rapport and same kind of atmosphere? Yes, I think most of the lads that has joined the job uh, are very good lads. Uh, the company at the moment are recruiting drivers uh, all over Ireland at the moment, and uh, that I don't think they're getting as good a response as they thought at first, because a lot of fellas uh, have dropped out. They have found that the maybe the supervision and the the, the regulations are a little bit too strict for them. Those that have stayed on are as good a men as uh, you will find any place else. There's a lot of them very good. We have lads working with us and they're models. They're absolutely models. Young married men and uh, they take a great interest in their job and their first priority is their homes and their families and uh, I think we said they're great. Uh, they certainly will never know what it is to work hard. They will never know uh, the, the hardship that the men uh, had, we'll say, 20, 30 years ago. They will never know that. In my particular depot now, I think I'd say there's only about 20 of the old steam men left. And uh, I think uh, when we speak about the steam, sometimes we, we drive them up the wall, actually. They don't want to know about it. What they want to know about is what job I'm on next week, uh, and the earning capacity on that particular job in order to further their home and their families. Uh. Ah, yeah, that's changed a lot now, you know. Lads just come in and they do their day's work as best they can and go home and then they carry on with the rest of their lives, you know. Like, there's a life apart from the railway, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't make a me whole life, you know. But, uh, ah, that's true about the older hands, like, some of them anyway, you know. They, uh, oh, the railway this and the railway that, like, nowadays that's all changed, you know, with the younger generation coming into the job, you know, puts a bit of life into the job. Um, you, I suppose you could say that you're one of the younger generation of railway men. Yeah, that's on true. On the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
things things were a lot different 30 years ago or even 20 years ago. Yeah. And do you find that, you know, do you find, say, the older guys in the job have a different attitude, they still have a different attitude towards the railway, towards the system, as, say, maybe young fellas coming on? Uh, yeah, well, uh, their attitude now towards younger men coming into local grade is, uh, some of them now, you know, I wouldn't say all drivers, you know, some of them reckon that, like, oh, they're the drivers, like, and we're the only, as they say, porter drivers, you know. We came from the traffic grade, you know. And within the space of three years, where out the main road, where does it took them maybe 18, 19 years to get out the main road driving, you know? They don't forward and on the steam engines and cleaning and, you know, a lot of them resent this. That They're very proud of their experience. Oh, yeah. Stop the lights. <laughs> <laughs> There's one particular controversy that's been going on in CIE for quite a long time, over 20 years, and that's to establish a proper pension fund. The pension Could you just fund, give us the background to that? The pension fund is an absolute disgrace. It's it's terrible to think that this, even this very month, that there is men leaving CIE. Drivers, uh, There's I think there's two or three drivers in the Inchicore depot who are leaving uh, CIE and they'll have uh, about 150 years between the three of them. And to think that they're going out on a pension of £16.50 is a proper disgrace. When I came out first, I got £4.86. And when I became 70 years of age, it was reduced down to £3.13 and sixpence. Now, wasn't that? Uh, after driving trains, you know, bloody awful. They were so proud of their job. It's obvious that everyone has been just pushing it under the carpet down through the years. Uh, it, now appears, the it now appears that the company are on the men's side, from the statement that Mr. Connellan made uh, only a fortnight ago. He seems to consider it uh, an absolutely disgrace too. You're paying for your pension that you're getting at the moment and the men in CIE are quite willing to pay for any improvements that will be offered. But it's just been a bureaucratic hold It's up. Uh, a bureaucratic hold-up. It's either uh, in the beginning it was the company and now it's obviously the government. One of the trade unions involved in the pensions issue is the NBU, which now has members on the railways. I asked his General Secretary, Tom Darby, about the problem. Yeah, it's gone on for the last 21 years since the advent of one-man operation back in 62-63. And uh, I suppose it's fair to say that the unions have a degree of responsibility in not pushing ahead at that time. But in the latter number of years, last four or five years, there's a great awareness about what a pension scheme really means because in the old days people only considered it or thought about it from the age of 55 onwards. Nowadays it's thought about a lot by a lot of young people as well as the older people in the job, which is a great sign. It's a very progressive sign, in fact, is that uh, people just don't look forward to retirement for the sake of it, but it is a, a safeguard uh, for their future and an investment in their future. We deal with CIE. They're not their own masters in this a situation they have to deal to and fro with the department and we vowed anyway and we think we're we've the support of everybody within the job and this that by the end of 1984 we're going to have to have this matter sorted out once and for all. Vincent Garrity you're working here in the new central traffic control system in Connolly but it's not it's you worked right really right across the system didn't you in your time in the railway? I did indeed worked all over the place. When did you start? I started in 1946 in Longford I worked in the goods store there, done everything from here to... Uh, what you doing in your first couple of years now, we said, when you started off in the job? That was work, you were working in a, a rural station there. Was it was it busier? Was it different from what it is now? Terrible busy. 
altogether there was all sorts of traffic came into it that you'd have seven or eight wagons of sundries in the morning, you'd have to empty them. And then when you go back after your dinner, you'd have to unload machinery and load all sorts of things like that. And Guinness is empty, it had to be all loaded that time by hand. There's a lot more activity in that oh station, say, God. than there is now, isn't it? There was fear. It's, it's actually closed now, as far as I know, as far as it's all container traffic is in it now, there's no handling of traffic at all in it, other than... So there must have been a great atmosphere working in a station like that, was there? It was. <laughs> you hadn't much time, actually, to have it. Uh, but uh, you worked from morning to night. It was an eight-hour day at the time, and you worked that eight hours. You certainly worked eight hours. There was no messing at all. But uh, well, you just took it as it came. That's what you joined up. Well, the goods traffic at the time was very heavy compared with what it is now. You had everything on at that time. And then you had an awful lot of uh, stock, cattle, uh, trains and everything like that. You know, everything, all did, nearly all went by rail that time. So they're all gone now. No one's not carry any anymore. Mainly by road? All by road, yeah. So I went to Mullingar then. I'd done everything there again. Like, you know, you, there was more of a variety in Mullingar because there was guards in it and was shunters in it and there was signalmen and all that. You, you'd done all that kind of work and got guards. And you went through all those different jobs yourself? I did, indeed, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was there for until I came to Dublin in 1963 or 64, around that time. You're working in this, the newest part of the system now, the signal system That's for right, the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a big change from the sort of work you were doing. Well, it is, you know, the big lever, like you, know, you pull the big lever, you had to put your foot up to pull over some of them. <laughs> you know, you had to use your strength compared to now, like, you know, you press a little button, everything works, the see this points and all work. But it is very modern, like, compared with that time, like, you know. Although, yeah, I enjoyed the signal and work at that time too, and the guard jobs, the loose couple trains, like, that time you were way back, 70 wagons. <laughs> <laughs> You'd only see the driver now and again. <laughs> but uh, it was really enjoyable. Like, you know, I, I enjoyed every moment of it anyway. I never, I never regretted ever doing any of it. And now, as I said, we have moved on to this computer age. So there. But you don't seem to have had much problem in the transition from the old signal system to the new? Yourself? No, not generally. It's, it's his different in a sense but on the ground it's the same really you know the, the same things happen on the ground points and signals and all works the same like it's only a different way of doing them like you know a more modern way I would say but um, so there are some as things I computers can't do <laughs> generally speaking if you go up on the ground there's no difference in the points they have to still work and the trains run the very same as they always did. The only thing is, as I said, you have a different way of doing it. That time, of course, then you had to look out the window and see the train pass and make sure he had a tail lamp and all that kind of thing, but you don't see any trains at all now. So would you say you enjoyed the job now as much as you did? Just as much. 20, yeah. 30 years ago? Just as Still much, do. yeah, I do indeed. Because I got the option, uh, well, I was... got a bit of an option anyway. I don't know whether I would have got if I looked right for a fairly retirement. Well, I didn't apply for it because I didn't want to go out the moment, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoy it as much as I did the first day I joined. As a matter of fact, I think I enjoy it more. There's more of a variety, you know. And it's, it's very much 
But the same sort of spirit is still there, is it, do you think, in the job? Uh, well, it is among the fellas, yes, I would say so, yeah. Not, you're not sort of nostalgic about the past. Oh, of course, no, no. You have to, you have to progress, haven't you? What's the use of standing still? All in all, I think it's a good life, good job. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it always, anyway. And I hope to run out of your remains in a few years with them. <laughs> When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.